Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you on this Wednesday in the second week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, just in case you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, these free daily videos, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. So get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. You can uh, transform your 40 days with 40 lessons and with Father Rocky's weekly Eucharistic encounters at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines on this Wednesday morning? Well, big story out of Michigan, the uh, primary there last night on the Republican side. Another big win for Donald Trump uh, with uh, Currently about 92% of the vote in, uh, a 68 to 26% lead over Nikki Haley. He's been declared the winner there, uncommitted to coming in with uh, 3% of the vote. So another huge win, over 40 uh, percentage points ahead of, of Nikki Haley. Not a big uh, surprise, is, uh, Glenn. <laughs> Obviously, no, this uh, was expected. Yep, this ex- was right about uh, along the lines of what was expected. Uh, polling has been pretty consistent uh, along uh, the lines of what results have turned out to be for for Mr. Trump on the Republican side as well. And then uh, over on the Democratic side, uh, some protest votes uh, against President Biden. President Biden had 81 percent of the votes, but uh, about 100,000 folks, 13.2 percent of the uh, voters, uh, again, with about 85 percent in on the Democratic side, uh, voting uncommitted to register uh, their displeasure with the president, there's a, a large Arab American population in Michigan and uh, not happy with the president's moves uh, in the Israel Hamas war. This is a warning sign. It's a threat to Biden and his administration as a result of his decisions to put funding Israel's war in Gaza over our own democracy. And this voting block within Michigan, let me stamp that we are uncommitted to you, President Biden, and your reelection efforts. So, Glenn, I guess the, the, the question is, uh, what will this mean going forward, especially in the general election? Uh, will the president heed th- this warning shot uh, from the folks in Michigan? Well, uh, kind of the analysis looking at it, Michigan, one of the very important swing states, and uh, there's not a large margin of error right now. And uh, if you get people that will either stay home or uh, vote for a third-party candidate, but uh, not a lot, a lot of room for error for the president in, in Michigan. Uh, Meanwhile, the weather is in the news uh, this morning, uh, beginning uh, with uh, the Lone Star State, uh, uh, wildfires in in the state of uh, Texas. Uh, What's the latest with that, Glenn? Well, again, that fire growing uh, in about six hours' time from 40,000 to 200,000 acres uh, yesterday, burning out of control currently and uh, moving toward a a nuclear weapons facility uh, in the Texas panhandle, the Pantex plant. Uh, They say everything is uh, safe and unaffected as of now, but... uh, Workers at the building, uh, building a fire barrier to protect the facilities. Again, all uh, weapons on site, safe 
and unaffected. And uh, you know, we've got a lot of ways to, to keep those safe. But still, it's always a little unnerving to hear a wildfire raging out of control near a, you know, a plant that makes nuclear weapons. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the weather is, uh, is still uh, in play in the Midwest. Uh, there were tornado warnings uh, here in the Chicago area and in other parts of the Midwest last night. Uh, I can tell you firsthand that we actually went down into the basement just to be safe. Yeah, it sounds like it was, uh, you know, pretty crazy in Chicagoland and uh, over all the way around the, the edge of the lake over to southwestern Michigan as well. Yeah, in fact, I tried to take my dog Blaze out uh, for just uh, uh, to do his duties as quick as possible. And he, I literally opened the door. He saw the weather, lifted up his leg and came right back in. Smart dog there. Huh? Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, we're, we were talking, you know, 60-mile-an-hour winds, and, uh, you know, uh, th- there was some damage uh, in, in the Chicago area last night, according to the National Weather Service. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you got to pay attention uh, when, these, when these warnings uh, come out. Yeah, we think of more of that weather uh, as far as springtime weather. But, uh, you know, spring one day at a time, kind of early. Uh, in Minnesota, again, hit uh, mid-60s on Monday. And uh, as I speak to you now, current temp is uh, two above. <laughs> and then it'll be back to the 60s by the weekend. So it's been a crazy ride this winter, for sure. In just for 24 sure. hours. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, yesterday was unbelievable. I mean, it felt like it could be June. It was uh, basically 70 degrees in the Chicago area. And, the, and this morning, uh, you know, the wind was howling and it was cold. Well, you know. God has a great sense of humor. So that's just another example. <laughs> Giving us a little surprise in the middle of winter. Uh, you never know when the weather is going to make a quick... You know, you have those winter jackets, you know, they're out forever. And then you get weather like this and you're like, ah, banish the jackets. But bring them right back out because <laughs> we need them again. Well, it's kind of, you know, where kids will, you know, wear the jacket in the morning and then it warms up so much in the day they leave it at school. And you're like, where's your jacket? Oh, <laughs> but you know, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor dark of night will stop the uh, Tooth Fairy from the Tooth Fairy's appointed rounds as we, we celebrate the work of the Tooth Collector today. Oh, and there that wasn't the actual appearance of the Tooth Fairy because it's uh, getting to be a little bit too bright out, I imagine, for the Tooth Fairy to, to show their face. But uh, yeah, the kids have 20 baby teeth, so that means there's at least 20 times that that Tooth Fairy will be circling around and coming to your house per child, that is. Um, have you? Has anyone ever had like a double duty, two teeth at once go into the Tooth Fairy? Well, I tell you, one time when I was going in for my tonsillectomy as a, I don't know, first or second grader there, and uh, I didn't really think about this back then, but they don't want any loose teeth in the way when they're working down your, you know, down your throat, <laughs> taking care of the tonsils. And so I had stubborn baby teeth and they wouldn't, you know, they might be hanging there for a long time. Oh, and, buddy. you know, I wasn't the one to, you know, hook up a rocket with a string like you've seen online and uh, <laughs> launch the tooth out that way, which is incredibly amazing, by the way. But uh, oh, the doctor took out like four baby teeth during during the the little look see wow. uh, the day before the surgery. It's like what? But uh, anyway, but uh, you know, I don't I don't remember too many adventures. You know, as the uh, tooth losing child. But uh, on the other hand, at our house, uh, you know, it was the days of you know the tooth fairy would leave a dollar. You know, often with four shiny quarters. You know, and one time I think the tooth fairy was in a in a hurry. You know, and maybe made a last-minute visit to the house, a very last-minute visit, uh, even, you know, with the edge of wakefulness for the child. And and, and the, the child ended up with 80 cents. It was like, you know, four 
four shiny four shiny coins, but they weren't all of the same denomination. So the Tooth Fairy must have been in, in quite a hurry that morning. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about the Tooth Fairy. Uh, it has There are, from children all around the world, and the number of teeth that need to be collected, it's like 300,000 teeth. So if you do get shortchanged one time or maybe overchanged, sometimes a Tooth Fairy gets calculations wrong, maybe I got coin that was way too big, one of those 50 cent ones or something. Um, that just could be, they got a lot of work to do. And that's, it's, you know, running out of time, it's like crunch time. You just drop what you got and run, grab that tooth and go. Cause sun is coming up. Which makes me wonder, uh, has, uh, the tooth fairy kept up with inflation? Uh, you know, I mean, it, uh, it's costs more these days. Well, there you go. And you know, it's always a mystery. I think what the tooth fairy is doing with all of these teeth. We had a book in our house that has become a beloved favorite and uh, making lots of, um, tooth castles and tooth bridges and tooth <laughs> roads and monuments out of these teeth. And there was the robots that were always cleaning the dirty teeth. And then there was the Hall of Perfect Teeth, which you always aspire to have. So make sure you clean <laughs> in between with floss so that your tooth can make it to the Hall of Perfect Teeth. I can tell you that I still have uh, my uh, Joseph Dominic's uh, baby teeth uh, in, a, in a little plastic baggie, a little a little souvenir. And, and, and on this day, this National uh, Tooth Fairy Day, it's a reminder that uh, we should make an appointment for the next cleaning. And I, I believe the rest of my family already went, so I am actually due. You're due. Well, I'm hey, due. you know, that sounds like uh, you shortchanged uh, Joseph Dominic a couple of bucks from the Tooth Fairy, so you better catch up with whatever you kept for your own personal souvenir because the Tooth Fairy did not get to collect those. So make sure that you make it right with your son, John. You got it. All right. Uh, happy National Tooth Fairy Day to, to both of you. Thanks, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Thanks, John. We begin every morning, as we always do, in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord Jesus for all the many blessings, and we continue to pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, the Queen of Peace, uh, as we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and Ukraine, peace in our nation, peace in our church and in our families, and peace in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Patroness of the Americas, Patroness of the Unborn and of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, Patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, Co-Patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And it's Wednesday, and that means that uh, on Wednesdays, I always just take a brief moment to remind you about St. Joseph. We dedicate Wednesdays to St. Joseph and always remember that he is a powerful intercessor. So go to Joseph, the head of the Holy Family. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus the Lord says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
Be not afraid, as Pope St. John Paul II said so many times during his pontificate. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He alone gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. And as long as people and nations refuse to submit to the rule of our Savior, Christ the King, there will be no hope of lasting peace among nations. As Catholics, we must uh, look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. So go to Mary, the Queen of Peace, who always leads us to her son, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that Drew and Maggie pray uh, every day during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email directly uh, with anything that's on your mind. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we'll go live to the Eternal City and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, for the latest news on the Holy Father, Pope Francis. So stay with us as there's uh, much more to come. We are just getting going here on this uh, Wednesday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing Rome to home. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. And now it is time to bring Rome to home for the latest news from the Vatican. We go live to our Rome correspondent, Ashley Nerona from the Eternal City. Ashley and her husband, John, founded the Truth and Beauty Project in Rome, where they take people from knowing their faith to setting their hearts on fire with talks, tours, and spiritual direction, all centered on scripture, art, and beauty. They even have a special track to evangelize young adults. Just visit truthandbeautyproject.com to find out how you can make your life a masterpiece in just one week with John and Ashley in Rome. Buongiorno. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks so much for joining us once again uh, to bring Rome to home to our listeners. Well, thank you, John. Buongiorno to you. Great to be here. Well, as always, we begin with the Holy Father. But before we talk about uh, the Wednesday audience, what is the latest? Uh, what is going on uh, with the, the health of uh, Pope Francis? Yes. So these last days, he has been dealing with what the Vatican's calling a mild flu-like condition. So this past Saturday, Pope Francis canceled his meeting with uh, transitional deacons from the Diocese of Rome. So these are deacons who are preparing to be ordained to the priesthood in April. And that was the reason given for this flu-like condition. Then the next day, on Sunday, the Pope did appear for his weekly Sunday Angelus that he prays there from the window in St. Peter's Square. And he seemed to be in good form and everything went on as scheduled. But then again, uh, on Monday, this past Monday, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis' audiences for the day had indeed been suspended. They said as a precautionary measure due to these persisting flu symptoms. So this week, we weren't sure if the audience would happen today, but indeed it did, John. Indeed, it was held at Pope Paul VI Audience Hall. And uh, although the Pope was 
There, he opted that his remarks were read by an official from the Secretariat of State, uh, which has happened before. And so, but indeed, he was there and in good form for the audience today. Well, I'm glad that he was at least in good enough spirits to make it to the audience, Mm -hmm. although not fully participating. Uh, What was uh, the main message uh, that was read uh, by uh, this uh, Vatican official? Well, he continued to speak about vice and virtue, and this week specifically on the sins of envy and vain glory. So he he said that first about envy, he said that it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, and it really leads to a deadly hatred in the soul. So we have to be aware of it. He said that the basis of envy is what he called a love-hate relationship, where one desires evil for the other, but actually secretly also desires to be like him and believes that this good fortune that the other has is actually an injustice that I would deserve these successes or I would deserve this good fortune much more than this other person. And he said that at the root of this vice is a false idea of God. He said it comes when people don't understand that God has, uh, in the Pope's words, his own math that's different from ours. So God knows who gets what. And he said there is a solution to this, though. And he looked specifically to St. Paul and his exhortation to love one another with brotherly affection, complete in esteeming one another. And then Pope Francis went on to speak about vain glory, and he said that this is a, an excessive pride, and especially pride in your achievements. He said that you'll, it's marked by inflated self-esteem and a craving for constant praise. He said to combat this, again, look to St. Paul and St. Paul's example of boasting of his weaknesses rather than his achievements. And that is going to offer an effective way to overcome it. He said that overall, to look to St. Paul's idea that Christ's grace is sufficient and to accept that even it to embrace our weaknesses, remembering that the power of Christ will set us free. And in that freedom, we can love others more generously. And then, John, today the Pope finished the audience by calling out, especially for prayer for people who are suffering on account of war. And he mentioned the people of Ukraine, the people of Palestine, and specifically victims of recent terror attacks in Burkina Faso. This was uh, when last Sunday, uh, 15 worshipers were killed in an attack on a church in Burkina Faso, and then another attack in a mosque left dozens of people dead as well. So he asked all faithful to especially pray for peace in these places, John. And uh, this is something uh, that uh, Pope Francis has consistently uh, been doing, uh, mm-hmm. praying for mm-hmm. peace and an end to uh, all of these wars, especially uh, Ukraine with this two-year anniversary yes. that we just experienced over this past weekend. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, what's going on in the Middle East, which has been going on, to, you know, since October 7th. So we, we continue to pray. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you're right. It's been a a continuous theme. And uh, indeed, he's asked us to also pray during this time to remove all all vices that lead to to 
conditions that do not promote peace. I love the, the Holy Father's insight uh, about God's math. You know, our ways are not God's ways. And, you know, he keeps score differently and he has his reasons for allowing things to happen. And uh, I think it's a matter of uh, understanding, you know, God's divine providence as to, you know, why some people get certain gifts and other people do not. <laughs> It's one of those things that we'll never understand and we don't have to either, which is actually quite a relief as well. All we have to do is submit and trust and love. And that's a, that's a great formula. For sure. All right. Uh, World Catacombs Day is coming up uh, this weekend on March uh, 2nd. Uh, wow, that really evokes some memories of traveling through some of those catacombs in Rome when I was there. Yes. Uh, San Calisto is one that comes to mind. Yes, San Calisto is a fantastic catacomb, really the, the largest and, um, you know, one of the most special to visit. So for, to celebrate Catacombs Day, the, the theme of the day has been chosen from remembrance to prayer. And actually on this day, seven catacombs are going to be open to the public for free with free guided tours. Wow. And the idea is to allow people to enter and know more about these large underground cemeteries that were used by Christians in, in Jewish community between the second and the first half of the fifth century. But there are actually 60 catacomb excavations in Rome right now. Uh, the reason that they came to be was that a, a law prohibiting the, the burial of the dead inside of the city in ancient Rome came about, and that was due to health reasons. And so the construction of the catacombs began when Pope Zephaniris reigned, who reigned from 199 AD to 217 AD. He entrusted Deacon Callisto with the task of supervising the cemetery at Via Appia. And that's because most of the important pontiffs of the third century were buried there. And so these underground structures are then hewn into tough. This is a, a volcanic rock and it's, it's easy to dig into. And then at the Christian tombs, they would create symbolic art, paintings and mosaics with uh, symbols of stories of the Old and New Testament and symbols that referred to eternal salvation like doves and peacocks and phoenixes and lambs. And this is an opportunity then celebrating World Catacombs Day to educate people uh, about what about this and the importance of these wonderful, wonderful places and monuments in hopes that So many uh, pilgrims walked before praying, especially for their loved ones and those who had gone before them, waiting, of course, for that the resurrection one day. Is uh, the uh, catacombs uh, part of uh, your repertoire uh, with the Truth and Beauty uh, project uh, there in Roma? Yeah, so the catacombs uh, actually are run each by different organizations. And so we do love to take people there. And they, um, like the catacombs of San Calisto, which you mentioned, John, you know, it's a burial place of many Christians. It's really an archaeological treasure there in the Appia Antica. And it, the, the network of tunnels underneath extend for over 20 kilometers. And there's 16 popes inside. There's dozens of Christian martyrs. So it is a wonderful an important place to visit on pilgrimage. Wow. I w I'd love to go back down there one more time and yeah. have you show me around. 
Oh, that would be a delight, John. All right. Well, that's on the bucket list uh, for the, the next time I make it to, to Roma. Uh, meanwhile, there is a popular Italian city that's offering uh, citizens a gift for naming their kids after the town's patron saint. I'm dying to know uh, what patron saint are we talking about? Yes. Well, first of all, this is the town of Matera. And Matera has become really famous in the last decades uh, because, of course, of its ancient cave dwellings where people, members of the population of Matera lived as recently as the 1950s. Uh, this was also the same city that The Passion of the Christ was filmed in. It's the same place where the most recent James Bond was filmed in. And it's one of the oldest cities in the world. Now, their their cathedral is dedicated to their two patron saints, the Madonna della Bruna, Madonna Bruno, and to St. Eustachio. We would say St. Eustace. And citizens in that area have now offered a financial reward to parents who will name their babies after St. Eustachio, after St. Eustace. They say that this is this is an effort to promote devotion and continuity and tradition and to encourage knowledge about this courageous saint. St. Eustachio was martyred in 118, and this was under the Emperor Hadrian, and it was because he refused to sacrifice to the pagan Roman gods. He is the patron saint of hunters, of firefighters, and torture victims as well because of the torturous way in which he and his family were eventually put to death. And this idea to name lots more little babies Eustachio, or Eustace as we'd say in English, is to encourage a love of the saint and more devotion to him and more knowledge about his courage and the way that he lived heroic virtue. Now, now, can this be a middle name, Ashley? I'm really curious about this. I like when there's rewards for saint names, but that is a little bit of a, a hard one to s swallow here. Could this be like a middle name? Could this how, how could it be a well, nickname? You know, Does it have to be on the birth certificate? Yeah, exactly. I think there's some room to play here, right? Uh, you could call him Eusti. I think there's there's ways that you could do this, and I can certainly ask them for the the specific rules here. Is is that <laughs> is, that, uh, is that a popular a name in in, a, in Italian to begin with, or are, no, are we we're not. trying to promote it's it? It's really not a popular name, but a lot of people know the name because. One of the most popular coffee places in Rome is named Sant'Eustachio. So it's named after this very saint. So it's a it's a popular stop for a lot of visitors to Rome. So who knows? Between this and the coffee, Sant'Eustachio may just get a comeback. Uh, maybe, you know, I know that he had a lot going on when he was being persecuted and stuff, but it could he could maybe like think of, think of a stage name and then, it you know, it goes on further. More people would be wanting to name their children after uh, after this great saint. But yeah, it's, it's, that's a, that is a hard one. But you know what? Hey, it's good that the coffee is at least. That's a good start. That's right. A little exactly. Eusti. It's a good start. There you go. A little Eusti. All right. Um, the the uh, Lenten pilgrimages to some of the uh, station yeah. churches uh, in Rome uh, is always a, a popular thing to do. Mm -hmm. It sure is, John. It's such a special thing to do during Lenten season. And I am excited, like last week, to share with you a little bit about what this week looked like, some of the highlights, and take you on a, 
a virtual pilgrimage to the Station churches uh, here with me. So one of the churches visited this week is the Church of San Clemente, St. Clement. And this is that famous multi-level church, which has relics of some of the first fathers of the faith. So, of course, not a lot of people realize this, but it's an opportunity to go to that church and venerate the relics of St. Clement of Rome and also St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was martyred not so far away from the Church of St. Clement right there in the Colosseum. Another church that was visited this week was St. Cecilia Santa Cecilia, and this church was built over the home of the martyr Cecilia, and she was condemned to death to suffocate in the steam room of her own home. But she actually survived that. And it's said that all the while, while she was there, in the attempt to suffocate her, she continued to praise the Lord. She continued to sing praises to the Lord. That's why she's the patron saint of music today. And after that, after she survived, eventually she was beheaded. It actually took three gashes, though, for the executioner to, to be successful. And before she died, she continued to praise the Lord. She continued to preach. And she also said that her house should be dedicated as a church. And that's, of course, what it is today. So during the station mass there at the Church of St. Cecilia, People had the opportunity to venerate her incorrupt remains. Those incorrupt remains were brought there from the catacombs of St. Callisto that John, you and I talked about a little bit earlier. So back in 821, her remains were brought to the Church of St. Cecilia. And there at the Station Church, after celebrating the Station Mass, not only does one have the opportunity to pray there at her remains, but also to visit the ruins of the ancient home, which are underneath that church. So these station churches are an opportunity to venerate relics of wonderful heroes of the faith, amazing people who've gone to, before us to get to know them a little bit better and to come in unity with English-speaking people from throughout the city who come together, which of course was the long tradition of the station churches, that people would go to different churches in different parts of town every day. But during Lent, each day, the whole city of Rome was invited to come together in unity and celebrate the Holy Mass together. So that beautiful ancient tradition continues today, John, through this station church's tradition. So much history. St. Cecilia, pray for us. Ashley, as always, uh, grazie. Thank you so much uh, for uh, bringing Rome to home to our listeners. Well, it is sure great to be here today, John. So many blessings on you. Have a great day. Thanks again. Ashley Narona, our Rome correspondent who joins us every Wednesday from the Eternal City. You can listen to her reports on the Relevant Radio app. Just go to Relevant in Rome. We need to take uh, a short break. When we come back, acclaimed speaker, former Miss Wisconsin and faithful Catholic mom, Christina Show will be with us to talk about her First children's book, Seek and You Will Find, A Catholic Sacraments Adventure. So stay with us as uh, we continue here on Morning Air on this uh, Wednesday on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with 
Glenn and Sarah, thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Write down our number and save it in your phone if you want to be part of the program. It's 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, when it comes to evangelizing or passing on our Catholic faith to our kids, it's never too early to do it, especially when there are age-appropriate resources that invite them to Know more about the beauty and richness of our Catholic faith. Uh, Even better if we present it in a fun and adventurous way, like uh, a Seek and Find book. Joining us live this morning is Christina Show uh, to uh, share her first book, a children's book called Seek and You Will Find, A Catholic Sacraments Adventure. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Christina. She's an uh, accomplished speaker, a former Miss Wisconsin and faithful Catholic. After a meaningful 10 year career in marketing and public relations, she decided to embrace her most treasured title in life, and that is mom. Christina's passion for goodness energizes her roles as mother, first-time author, teacher, and advocate for safe beauty products. Christina is married to her husband, Jared. They have three children. Good morning, Christina. Thanks so much for joining us here on Morning Air for the first time. It's great to be with you. Hello. Good morning. Thank you. It is a delight to start my morning with you. Thank you. Well, Christina, before we talk about your first book, uh, you went from being an, an acclaimed speaker and a former Miss Wisconsin to becoming a mother. Can you share with us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I am a graduate of Viterbo University in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I became involved in the Miss America organization, really eager to help pay for my college and gain experience in public speaking. And that is exactly what the Miss America program gave me. So I had the honor of serving as Miss Wisconsin in 2009 and traveling all across our state, engaging with wonderful organizations and speaking to students um, in all levels of school and just really gaining a strong appreciation for education at its finest and really the opportunity that we as individuals can have to serve our communities and to inspire others. Now, Christina, when you became Miss Wisconsin, did you ever imagine that you would be able to use that platform to later become a children's author and be able to really make a difference in a lot of young kids? Never. Never. It was it was definitely not on my radar. It was not. And that was where becoming a mom, I think, just changes you. I mean, that's the best title in the world that I've been able to love and embrace. And it's re-inspired me in so many ways and, and given me such an adventure in itself. Well, tell us about uh, your uh, new book. Uh, I believe this is your first book. It's called Seek and You Will Find a Catholic Sacraments Adventure. How, how did you get inspired uh, to write this children's book? Yeah, so it's really been a project eight years in the making, and my inspiration was 100% my oldest daughter, who's now 10, and at the age of two, she was incredibly fixated on Seek and Find, I Spy Books, and had a very special interest in attending Mass. So after searching high and low at local bookstores and online, you know, I was really dispirited when I couldn't find any Catholic faith-based Seek and Find books other than one on saints. And I knew I specifically wanted my daughter to understand what Mass was about, who Jesus Christ is, 
and how she could feel a purpose and connection to her faith at a young age, just like you talked about in the introduction. It's important. So I knew it had to be in the sacraments and it had to be engaging. And I was a full-time working mom. So I added it to my to-do list and really just prayed for some direction and of course gave myself some grace in the process. So did your daughter give you some good insights into how to approach writing the book? No, really. I feel I've always had a really special connection to young children. I taught dance starting at age 15 and really just that's, that's kind of my jam speaking to young kids and finding ways to connect with them and to energize them. So this felt like a natural thing for me, but my daughter certainly of course was, um, teaching me along the way. <laughs> Who uh, in, uh, is your uh, target audience? Who's this book uh, designed for? Right. So it's kind of, it's broad, I would say two to eight years old, but there's, there's a different purpose for every age. So should my daughter, um, when she was to have, you know, would she have had this book? It w- would really merely have just been a seek and find book, finding the pictures and the objects. But as they start to grow, you know, three, four years old, they're going to start to listen and engage in the dialogue. Five and six years old, they are going to start understanding the advanced pages that are included in this book and then reading independently by the time they're seven and eight years old. So really a different purpose in, in those little pockets of life for, for young children. And, and what are some of the areas uh, that are covered uh, for uh, these uh, youngsters, uh, particularly from beginning with the two-year-olds all the way up to eight? Yeah, so in the book, what we cover in this book are the seven sacraments and really um, even just introducing, you know, what the sacraments are, talking about the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he gave us these gifts called sacraments and then introducing them one by one. So, for example, you know, on the baptism page, on the very first page, there's going to be a legend that will encompass different symbols that children can find in the scene itself of a child being baptized. So where is the holy water? Where is the baptismal font, the baptismal garment? And it kind of takes them in a fun little adventure. There are guides in the book that we use as teachers to to share the journey of discovering the sacraments and making them feel excited and eager to want to turn the page, to want to learn more and, and to really to feel that connection very early on in their journey. Now, uh, Christina, I, I know from my own experience when my my Joseph uh, was was little, he he loved uh, pictures. Uh, talk about the illustrations in your book uh, and the importance of, of the visuals uh, to touch the hearts of of, of the little ones. Yeah, you said that. That is so, so important. And I have to give incredible praise to Michael Lavoie, who is the illustrator for this book and um, part owner of Voyage Publishing. He and I really sat down and I just expressed over and over again how important the vibrant colors and level of engagement with with um, every picture, every detail in the book, how it was incredibly important because we know kids judge a book by its cover. We know that they are looking for something that draws them in, and color is the first thing. Um, so, for example, there's even a young girl on the very first page who she invites the readers, you know, let's turn the page to discover our very first sacrament, and she's physically lifting up the page in the book, um, really to show, again, just that, that fun level for kids um, to discover in this book. 
Um, tell us about the, the the cover, which is quite interesting, with a, a little boy and a little girl holding up a, a magnifying glass. Yes, yes. Really just, um, it says what it is right on the front cover, Seek and You Will Find, and really just helping kids understand that this is a book to explore, not only just for you, but with, with your family, with your friends, and um, it's step-by-step going to be just a, a great adventure. Well, I can tell that uh, Michael Lavoie, who, by the way, has been a guest here on Morning Air in the past, uh, did a great job uh, to really bring uh, these these pictures to life. He really did. And it's just been a, a wonderful journey, just nurturing the time that it's taken to bring this to fruition and now being able to sit back and just fill my heart so much and to know that there's so much possibility to give parents a wonderful tool to put this in their busy bags for math. And my big dream is, of course, that every child who is baptized into the faith, um, that this would be a gift for them and something to carry as they, they learn and go on their very own adventure to discovering the Catholic faith. Well, Christina, I can tell you that our uh, resident mom and studio producer, Sarah, here on the other side of the glass, uh, she's a a big fan of of Voyage Comics, and I'm sure she will be one of your first customers. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Christina, for uh, thinking about this and not giving up on it when it it took a while to kind of bring it to fruition because— you're right. There's a seek and find for almost anything and everything out there. And kids love this. This is a great way to like keep their interest because there's so many things on the page to see. And, you know, there you can say search for the things that are in the little section, but then they search for other things in there. As you said, it kind of grows with the child as they can grow and to understand more yeah. and deeper about what's actually on this page. This is a seek and find that is more deeper than usually look for the truck that looks with a silly face or something. But um, what I'm curious about is what kind of is this hardcover? Is what are the pages here? Yeah. Are they are they paper? What what is the consistency here? Yeah, thank you. So it is a hardcover book. Um, unfortunately, the entire book itself is not a board book, but it is thicker than a cardstock page. So I know if you're a mom, like you said, <laughs> the question of is my child going to eat this book at the age of two? So that's certainly a consideration, which was why um, there is a hardcover book and the pages are are good, good quality. Um, and so it's 32 pages. So it's not just, um, you know, one page on each sacrament. There's that advanced page that kind of has some little Easter eggs. Michael did a wonderful job in some of the stained glass windows, you know, for example, on the confirmation page where even parents could find a, a little bit of a, a non-official seek and find item, but they could look for it on their own and be intrigued. Oh, I see St. Joan of the Ark is on the confirmation page. And so it kind of is always opening up your eyes, filling your heart with wonder, wanting to learn more about the faith and the sacraments. Well, you say also goes to age eight, but even after that, when the kids are older, they can help younger kids and they'll find enjoyment because they have that nostalgia of going through it themselves and the things they liked. I know that's something that I've noticed as my kids have gotten older and they're interacting with children that are younger. So, I mean, even when you're an older child, there's something, you know, you can, it brings the family together in a sense that you can all be going through this book together and getting stuff, like you said, in mass, you're, we're never need short in, in short need of having items to go through to help engage children and keep them to understand and learn and love their faith. So this looks like a, a good addition. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's really just 
I think, a wonderful tool to invite families to sit down together. It creates an opportunity to to cultivate that conversation together about the faith. And that's what really makes me excited, just dreaming about all the families that will be able to to grow in love and in faith together. Well, Christina, as you know, we were in in the midst of this uh, three-year Eucharistic uh, revival that the bishops have called for. And uh, if you think about it, you, you, you can never start too early with our little ones to teach them about Absolutely. the Holy Eucharist and Jesus truly present. How do you, yes. how do you inspire the, the, the little kids uh, about uh, the Eucharist? Well, right now, my eight-year-old son is actually about to receive his first communion. And I see truly how eager he is each week at Mass. And so it's really, it's really an opportunity to, like you said, to sit down to educate them. And I feel like I can do this, um, not only through a book like this, but in conversation where um, you are asking them questions. It's not just about them listening, but it's hearing what their thoughts are. So even last night I asked my son, I'm like, what do you think um, when you receive your first Holy Communion, when you receive the Eucharist? What, what does this mean to you? And just hearing his words and his wonder really created for me just such an opportunity to know that this book will provide purpose and in a home, a place in a home for so many people. Christina, here in the final moments, uh, can you uh, share with our listeners how they can find more about th- this book, which is just about getting ready to come out? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the book will be available on Voyage Comics website, so voyagecomics.com. There is a link. This is actually the first book in their children's line, which is um, very exciting for them to be able to have a first, uh, first edition book for their children's line, Little Voyagers. And again, voyagecomics.com is where you can check this out. Well, I really appreciate you uh, being uh, with us here this morning. I'm sure a lot of moms listening out there now have uh, another resource to share the faith uh, with their little ones. And again, the name of the book, Seek and You Will Find a Catholic Sacraments Adventure. Uh, Christina, thank you so much uh, for, for being with us. Thank you for having me. Many blessings uh, going forward with your book. Accomplished speaker and former Miss Wisconsin, Christina Show, uh, mother and the author of Seek, and you will find a Catholic sacraments adventure. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Nice Guys Finish First by Joseph Mazzella. Nice Guys Finish Last. I've heard that phrase literally hundreds of times over the years. There was even a few times I believed it myself. But if I ever need a reminder of just how false that line is, I only need to remember what happened to me recently. It was a cold, overcast, gray, and drizzly day. I just finished taking my son to the sheltered workshop where he works a few days a week. Road work, though, delayed me both ways. Now I was running about 20 minutes late, and I still had a full day's worth of work to do. I was feeling a little stressed. I had to pick up a few things first at the local store before heading home. As I was checking out, a couple asked me if I could give them a ride back the way I had already come. My stressed brain wanted to say no, but thankfully the better angels of my heart said yes. They climbed in my car and I headed back down the road. During the trip, we talked and laughed, and after I dropped them off, they thanked me for what I had done. I turned the car around headed back home, and I felt a warmth in my heart and a peace in my soul. I glanced in the rearview mirror, and I saw I was smiling without knowing it. For the first time that day, the sun 
broke through the clouds and heavens seemed to smile down on me as well. I may have been more behind schedule than ever, but at that moment I felt I was right where I was meant to be. When it comes to money, power, and fame in this world, it might be true that sometimes nice guys do finish last. But when it comes to the heart and mind of God, nice guys finish first. When you share love, when you help people, when you're kind and caring, when you freely give others your joy, then you're doing God's will here on earth. And when you do God's will here on earth, you'll always finish first, both in your own soul and in the eyes of heaven. From Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn, for another inspirational story corner. That verse is one of my all-time favorites. Now, uh, coming up uh, next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, uh, will be with us to talk about what uh, former President Trump and current President Biden and the Catholic Church are saying about IVF, in vitro fertilization. There's been a lot of talk about it in recent days. Plus, personal success coach Dave Duran, the CEO of Leading Giants and co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media, will Join us to discuss habits, good and bad ways to get things done or not. So stay with us. There's a lot more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.